Let's do it. Let's do it. Broadcasting from around the world, you're listening to The First 100, a podcast on how founders acquired their first 100 paying customers. Here's your host, Hadi Rodwan. Have you on the show, Brandon. How are you doing today? Good, yeah. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Let me start with a quick introduction for our listeners. Brandon White is the founder of Journey, a storytelling tool designed for the Internet age. Journey allows you to combine all sorts of content into one interactive experience. And Brandon was previously GM at Cora, senior director at AdRoll, and early sales at Facebook. Brandon, before we dive deeper into the strategies you've deployed, take us to, back to the AHA founding moment. Yeah, for sure. So as you mentioned, I worked at various ad tech companies, consumer internet companies, marketing technology companies. And honestly, whether I was on the buying side of a transaction or I was the one selling, I always felt like we spend way too much time in meetings on Zoom or even in person back when that was normal. So I always felt like there had to be a new medium that someone selling something, whether it's you're selling your company or selling your product, could offer up to the buyer to make the whole experience a lot more efficient and essentially just have things happen a lot faster. I think that the founding of the company was during peak pandemic. So we were all on Zoom. We were all utilizing more asynchronous tools, remote work tools like Loom and Notion and things like that. And I just felt like there wasn't something comprehensive that helped you do more collaborative work with external parties. A lot of that stuff that I'd been using was for internal communication within my company. So that was initially my two co-founders. We worked together at AdRoll. One of them, his name is Peter. He's like essentially the product person and CEO. And then my friend Anil is the CTO. We faced this challenge way back in the day at AdRoll where we just felt like the sales process was not efficient. And when I was at Quora, I tested out an early prototype of Journey with my team and our prospects, our customers really liked it. That prototype was really bad. So I knew that if we could spend the time to develop a really, really interesting and helpful product that we had something that could help people do business more efficiently, essentially. So that was in Q4 of 2020 is when the initial prototype of Journey, I used it at Quora got good feedback and you know some light validation that we were onto something interesting. And then um, that's when we decided to go full-time. And that kind of led into, we got into an accelerator, Y Combinator. And you know from there, we raised money and we were kind of off to the races. That's an amazing story. If we look at the elephant in the room today, it's PowerPoint. If I'm a PowerPoint user, right, I'm competing directly with Journey to some extent. What's your sales pitch to me to say, hey, drop PowerPoint and come use Journey? Yeah, totally. So it's interesting. You know, I think that I've been angel investing for 10 years also. So I see a lot of PowerPoint decks. I always felt like a really good founder might have the best idea in the world, 
but it's really hard for that to come through in a PowerPoint deck. I always felt like the medium to tell a story just in a static 16 by nine square or 10 squares, however the long the deck is, was quite limiting, especially if you had no network, maybe no background, no experience. I feel like a lot of people rely on the deck too much. And so the way we approach that is you can use PowerPoint inside of Journey or you can use Journey native slides. Like we're pretty agnostic to the tools that you wanna bring in from your workflow, whether you use PowerPoint or whether you use pitch.com or beautiful.ai or Canva. Those are great slide tools. If you want to bring those into Journey, you can, or you can use our, our native tools. We're really trying to be focused on helping you tell the best story with the best content that helps you bring that out. That could be slides, that could be memos, that could be long form, that could be audio, or that could be things like interactive product demos. The kind of possibilities are endless in the way in which we tell stories. So I think that for us, we view PowerPoint as more complementary than true like head-on competitor because you know a lot of people, they use PowerPoint and they love that as a tool. I think it's just part of the equation, not the whole thing. Thank you for that. One of the many advisors of Paul Graham, the founder of Y Combinator, is to do things that don't scale, Yeah, especially early in the life cycle of a startup. What non-scalable strategies did you do early to acquire your first users? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we're still doing them. So ultimately, when you think of how to create a journey, you essentially need to build content or bring content together. Usually, every salesperson has a bunch of content from their marketing team, has content that they've built on their own, or a founder fundraising has content that they've built. So I think for our first 100 plus users, we really like superhuman style onboarded them, where we created their first journey for them. We took in maybe what they're sending to a sales prospect. We would look at that email, take all the links out of it, take and turn it in. Like we would call it journeyfy your sales follow-up or your proposal. We've done that a lot where it's really white glove onboarding for a lot of the early users to just get them more comfortable with this new mode of communicating their story beyond that. So I would say we built very personalized journeys for our first hundred, probably our first couple hundred users. Our biggest competition is emails with a lot of links or attachments, really. That's really what how a lot of people do it today, 99%. And what we really wanted to do is bring all that together in a really easy, digestible way because if you think about the other person on the side of that story, the one you're telling it to, it's kind of a mess if you're sending them to seven different links or three different attachments. Like the experience of them trying to comprehend and stitch together what you're trying to tell them, you know, everyone's going to have a different experience versus you taking control of what that experience should be by bringing it all together, packaging it up in an interesting way, personalizing it for that person. So I think. You know, one of the things that we did was uh, doing it for our initial customers. Kind of like if you've used, you know, we look at like beautiful software like Superhuman, which I use as an email tool. They have tens of thousands of users. I think they still to this day onboard users one-on-one, -on -one, which is crazy. So I think 
we're still doing a lot of that, especially now when maybe we've gone past the individual user and when now we're dealing with teams. So getting teams kind of comfortable with building journeys, using them as a template, duplicating them. So we're still doing a lot of that for our, our customers. How did you find your first 100 paying customers? What channels did you go after? What growth Ooh. techniques, if any? Yeah, so I think for us, we've been working in software for a while at, at companies. So we had built up a network of just salespeople that we had worked with in the past. Like we really want to build for the end user. We're not trying to build for a manager or an executive just yet. It's really like, how do we help a salesperson close a deal by telling a great story? How do we tell, help a founder close fundraising by telling a great story? So we went right to the end user early on, like personalized messages in LinkedIn and email and Slack communities. And those were like the one-to-one -one channels that we used more outbound. There was a little bit of a warm relationship because we might've worked with them in the past. But that worked really well for us for probably our first 50 users. Our first channel or broadcast message, I would say, is we did a post on Hacker News, which is kind of a very harsh technical audience. And that gave us a lot of great feedback. We got a, a lot of users that were kind of strangers, which is good to get. It's good to get strangers into your product as early as you're comfortable with because you can kind of march a little bit faster to product market fit when... You have people that you don't know who are using your product and not just being nice. So I think, you know, those are some of the early channels that we leveraged was just warm relationships and then Hacker News. And then in Y Combinator, we did a lot of outbound to Y Combinator companies. Do you have any scalable strategies that you want to implement going forward, having tested a few of the different techniques now? Which one is most cost-effective? Which yeah. one can generate the biggest chunk of conversions? Yeah, I think for any founders out there, like I strongly feel like you should leverage your network as much as humanly possible until you're truly tapped out, at least in the early days to just, you want to have as many conversations as possible and just get some raw feedback. There was another company in Y Combinator, like we started using their tool, it's called Cabal. I'm not sure if your audience is familiar with it. I think it's getcabal.com. But essentially, it's a scalable way of doing second-degree introductions or more warm introductions. It pulls in your LinkedIn network. It pulls in your founder's LinkedIn network. It pulls in maybe your customer's LinkedIn network. So basically, you can very quickly see who your first degree connections are connected to that you want to get an introduction to. Off the back of that, you can easily do very personalized emails to your connections to get introductions to people that are like them. And I think it's a tool where we're still candidly figuring out how to do it in a scalable fashion. But I think that's a huge unlock for companies. Like Even very large companies are using that now as a way to give their sales team warm leads is how to scalably activate your network. That could be people you're connected to on LinkedIn. It could be your investors. It could be your advisors. But I think that's a huge untapped resource for every startup founder. Most people are still getting used to doing that at scale. Perfect. 
What I see from your pricing strategy today, you have a freemium model. You have a free version and then a premium model. What is your thought process when you design this? How do you set your price and how do you decide between let's go freemium versus let's do free trial and then everything is paid? Yeah, you're catching me at a good time. We recently changed this to a more usage-based model. So we used to do, I think, a free trial for 30 days and then... You can roll into a free product or you could pay for all the advanced features and customization. Our ultimate, I mean, this is just our thought process behind this is our North Star metric. Let me start there. Our North Star metric for journey now is very product driven. We look at how many journeys are being shared on a daily, weekly, monthly basis that are getting viewed. So that means people are coming into the product, creating a journey sharing it with their prospect, sharing it with their recipient. People are viewing it, spending time in it. They're getting some value there. That's usually usually the aha moment is like, oh, people really like this experience. I'm going to keep using it. We basically wanted to create a low barrier to those things, journey creations and journey views. So right now, the free trial that we had before, I think just some people, it takes a bit longer for them to figure out what their content is that they want to create. And ultimately, we just found a breaking point where usually if you had shared somewhere between three and five journeys, you were just going to pay the majority. There's a lot of small users that just never want to pay for anything. I'm like, you just kind of got to forget about those and let them do their thing and share it out. But for the users that you really care about, and for us, our ICP is like salespeople that sell products that are dollars $100,000 a year. So there's a long sales process. There's a lot of people involved. They want to invest the time in a really good story and follow-up. So for those people, we found that if you use it for three to five opportunities, you're just at the point of seeing true value. So that's where we put the mark on usage. So now we have basically a journey. You get everything, the entire product for free, up to five journeys. And then after five journeys, you have to pay either $29 a month for an annual deal or $39 a month for a monthly deal. Candidly, we launched that like this week or last week, but our users really like it. A lot of positive feedback from people. So I think it really depends on your business model. Like for us, we really feel like journey can be inherently viral, similar. I mean, maybe not to the extent of Loom or Calendly, but Similar to that, like the product has to work for you to share it out with the world and people receive that. They can see that it's made with Journey software. We get a lot of referral, a lot of signups through that. So you don't want to inhibit people from sharing, I think, for us. For some companies, they don't really care about that. It's more of a sales-led motion and they care about users getting in and getting value quickly. So that's kind of our, our approach to this is we aim to be a very, very product-led driven, a product-led growth model for the long term. And I think to do that, you have to give a lot away for free to get people really hooked. And so that we're testing with this right now. Great. Thank you for sharing this. What learnings on acquisition specifically have you not brought with you from Cora and Adrot? Things that burnt your finger there and said, you know, in my new startup, I'm never going to do these acquisition strategies again. Yeah, it's a great question. Honestly, I was in charge of the budget for software at Quora. We spent probably a million dollars a year on stuff. And 
I felt like cold email never really worked on me. I just felt like there's so much spam. Every salesperson now uses tools to do automated sequences. And, you know, I told myself, we're not, I'm not going to do that at my company. But the reality is, is when you think about all the different channels, we've been doing it for so long that it's hard to get off of it. I just think it just performs so much worse than it did back in the day. Like I remember at AdRoll, we had probably a sales team of 100 people. Our main acquisition was, we had a free trial, which helped a lot, but our main enterprise acquisition was cold email. And I think you could get 30% you know, reply rates in 2014. And now I think you're lucky to get 3%. So I think it's a lot harder. We don't do that much of it today, but candidly, we do a little bit of it. Like I have a, a head of CS and sales who has been doing that for a while and he likes to use that channel. At Quora and at AdRoll, we did really well with paid acquisition. We have not done paid acquisition yet at Journey. So I think at, at a certain point, we'll definitely want to test it out. I think a lot of startups try to, they think it's a, a good thing if they grow a ton without spending on anything. I think it is, but it's also a really good muscle to like learn. Like I think if you can show that you can do paid acquisition profitably, it's actually kind of even better than not even trying it at all. So, which is very hard these days. I think paid acquisition, LinkedIn is very expensive. Every channel is very expensive, especially for a, a free product. So I think if you can figure that out early on, it's good to test but it's one that we haven't tried yet. We've not done too much. We've really grown mostly through our network, the warm intros that I mentioned to you, and a little bit of cold outreach. Amazing. Is there any set of metrics you can share with our listeners to show the success of Journey so far? Yeah. So I think we're early in the journey of Journey, but we, you know, we started the company a little over a year. I guess a year and a half ago. And I think we probably had our first journeys in the world maybe a year ago or somewhere around there. Right now, I think there's been like 250,000 journeys that have been shared in the world. So that's things like sales proposals, sales pitches, fundraising pitches, customer onboarding plans, even people using them for recruiting instead of job postings, they do recruiting journeys. So lots of different use cases across that. And we have about 120 organizations that pay for Journey, either monthly or annually. So that's another good milestone. And uh, we're a team of 10 as of now, mostly engineering, product, and design. And uh, yeah, so those are some of our initial metrics that we care about right now. That's impressive so far. Congratulations. Thanks. So running a business is really hard. You've done it a couple of times now. And anxiety is almost there every day. How do you deal with such pressure? Yeah, I think it's super important to have your modes of decompression, whatever that might be. For me, I treat like fitness as a meeting, really. Like I try to go four or five days a week, but it's on my calendar like a meeting. Like you wouldn't miss a sales meeting, so you shouldn't miss your workout. For me, that helps me decompress and de-stress. So that's been something that I use. I think everyone has something different, whether you like to work out or whether you like to take walks, whether you like to read, listen to music, everyone has, you have to have something or else you go crazy because it's, uh, I think starting a company is definitely the hardest thing I've ever done. 
before I was coming into maybe starting new things at bigger companies, this is like true zero to one. So I think that's some of the things that I, you know, would stress to other founders is like find your mode of, of, of decompression and, and stick to it. And I think also like it's important to like get legitimate sleep every day. Uh, I think uh, back in the day, it used to be cool to like do all nighters and things. I think we're uh, I think we're past that. So I, I try to get like at least like six to seven hours a night. So these are great hacks. One last question, Brandon. What's next for your startup? Yeah, I mean, I think for us, we've kind of been. I wouldn't call it in stealth but we've not really been doing like a ton of outbound marketing and sales and, you know, even describing some of the channels that I'm sure a lot of your founders talk about, but we're going to want to be, we're going to test a lot of stuff in the coming months as we go more general release. Uh, Like we very, I think this last week was the first time you could sign up for journey on the website. So that's a a big milestone. We had this wait, annoying wait list before, And then we want to do a big launch and some channels like Product Hunt, do something big on Hacker News and just build our customer community and continually build build things for our ICP, which is, you know, sales people, sales teams, founders. So I think we're all marching to get to that 1 million ARR mark. So lots of stuff to do. Brandon, thank you for being part of our show. We wish you the best of luck on your journey. How can people reach you? Yeah, for sure. I'm bwhites1 on Twitter, or you can email me, brendan at journey.io. Excellent. Listeners, go to journey.io and experience the new type of storytelling. Thank you, Brandon. Cool. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Thank you so much for listening to The First 100. We hope it inspired you in your journey. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify, and share it with a friend starting their entrepreneurship journey. Leave us a five-star review. Your support will help spread our podcast to more viewers.